You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before we get to our topic of the hour and our guest, let me first introduce my two lovely co-hosts. First, Cassie Bryant. How are you today, Cassie? I'm good. This is one of those days where you show up, even maybe if you're not feeling up for it. And oh. I'm here, and I'm so glad I'm here, and I'm so glad I showed up. But you're not feeling up for it? It was a rough night last night and a little bit of a rough morning, but oh. I'm really happy to see your face, and I'm really happy to be here, and I'm eager for this topic because it's so important. Yeah, me too. And of course, our other co-host, Miss Chelsea Griffin. How are you doing today, Chelsea? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Um, I think the Bible says that there's new mo- new mercies on every yes. podcast. I received that. <laughs> so that's for you, Cassie. There's new mercies. I we should start that. recording in the evening, maybe. <laughs> we could make it like a happy hour podcast instead of a morning one. Oh. Yeah, that's when I feel alive. With the include a cocktail? <laughs> we'll see. Well, what an honor to have with us today our friend, fellow Eastsider, Asia Pearson, on this episode with us. How are you doing today, Asia? I am doing great. Uh, I walked out this morning and my daughter said, what is that? And she meant, mom, you're wearing clothes. Usually you wear workout attire. <laughs> So I got dressed for you guys. Oh, yes. Thank you. It's a good day. It's a good day. Thanks for dressing up for this digital (laughs) digital platform. Experience. Oh, and by dress up, I mean I put on a sweater and brushed my hair. (laughs) I haven't brushed my hair since the 90s, I think. Uh, It's been that long. All right. Well, first things first, Asia, would you tell us a little bit about you and your family for the listener who doesn't know Asia Pearson? Yeah. um, So I am Asia Pearson. Thank you for that. Um, I actually have spent the last decade getting to talk all about this topic um, with a ministry called Pure Hope. I was full-time with that ministry uh, for about eight years And then recently, my sister told me, this is how I'm supposed to answer this now. Um, I moved into a role working with children. They are my own children. I am a (laughs) stay-at-home mom. Um, So I have a four-year-old daughter and a almost two-year-old son. Um, So I'm getting to spend lots of time getting to, you know, kind of put my money where my mouth is on some of these things that I've been, you know, talking about for the last decade. So it's been fun. Yeah, I think that'll be an interesting process for you as you have advised and and informed so many families. And now you're going to see how it works out with the particular kids that the Lord gave you. And of course, today's a pretty serious topic, but one that we really need to give more attention to as a culture, as a Christian culture, as a church culture. Chelsea, for just a second, help us think about for a minute, why does a podcast like ours about spiritual leadership spend an episode talking about pornography? What does it have to do with leading your family spiritually? Well, ultimately, we want to see our kids be freed up by the gospel of Christ. Um, pornography in its very niche nature is is addictive, and um, it just it just runs opposed to the God of the universe, who's made people in His image. So, where we objectify people or commoditize people, um, that is offensive to the holy God that we serve, who made us. He's a creator God. Um, 
and created us with special dignity. So where we fail to dignify people, um, lust after them in our hearts, like I said, exploit, objectify, um, these things are offensive to God. And when we do things that are an offense to God, it hurts our ability to draw near to Him because uh, typically we, we feel guilt and shame, um, even though that's not really from the Lord. Uh, maybe an objectively guilt might be where we have broken his law, but the shame that we get from our sin sometimes will keep us from from drawing near to God. And ultimately what we're hoping as we spiritually lead our families is that our kids might have a genuine faith and a genuine relationship with God the Father um, through Christ. And so pornography stands as uh, something in the way of that. Yeah. There's a lot of things we want to give our kids and show our kids. And then there are some really destructive things we want to protect our kids from. And the insidious thing about pornography, of course, is that somebody out there is trying to get your kids to find it. Like that there's there's a market that wants the demand to be your kids. They they want to uh, be the thing your kids click on or watch. And so it is. It's insidious and it's dangerous. Asia, I know that, like you've said, you've got a particular passion about this. You've worked a lot in this area. Can you give just a little bit more color to uh, your experience around this, how that began, and what what that's looked like for you over the years as you've spoken into this topic? Yeah, so I think we all, everyone on this podcast, everyone listening, we all struggle with sexual brokenness. And I know that because scripture tells us in Psalm 51 that we were all conceived in iniquity. We were all conceived with a bent you know, towards sin. Um, And I think as I have spent a lot of time in this area, you know, just in my own story, walking with the Lord, walking through my own sexual brokenness, having God reveal to me who he is as father, who Christ is as bridegroom, I've really been able just to see in my own story. And then as I've walked through this with just countless other people, this specific area of sexual brokenness is just so gripping. And it's so, I think, confusing for so many people because most people are exposed at a very early age. Um, And Chelsea, as you mentioned, it can just, it can just be bondage for people. Um, And so I think I've seen a lot of that, but I have also seen just so much hope and so much change and so much freedom found Um, in marriages and individuals. And so I was actually thinking about that coming into this podcast today, that we are talking about a very serious topic, but I don't want people to shy away or get scared away from it. Because I think, you know, we had to title the podcast, Talking to Your Family About Pornography. That's important. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I know, and I hope for all of us, what we're talking more about is let's tell the better story. Let's give our kids a better vision. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited. Good. Well, you mentioned age a little bit. Uh, talk to us what age families should be having this conversation. Is this younger than most people would think? Or is this something parents have some, some time to think about? How would you advise a parent who's wondering, is it time yet? I would say, yes, it is time. I don't know how old your children are. And I can already tell you, yes, it is time. Um, Adam, as you mentioned, you know, there is someone out there somewhere. And really, we know, again, from scripture that there are spiritual forces of darkness that we are against that are opposing us. um, And that are coming for us coming for our kids. And that's not for us to be fearful, but just to recognize that the world is already has already begun this discussion with your children, no matter their age. Um, So I tell any parent, however old your kids are, 
we need to be beginning this conversation on some level. Uh, you know, I shared my kids are very young. I have not, I mean, my kids have heard me say the word pornography just by nature of what I've spent so much of my time doing, but I have not, you know, sat them down and explained, Hey, here's what pornography is. But when we're watching Moana, I have told them, Hey, if you see anything on the screen that makes you feel uncomfortable or scared, you can come find mommy and daddy and we will be with you. That, you know, those little moments, you are already setting up the conversation to to let them know you're going to encounter things Mm -hmm. that make you feel uncomfortable or weird or ashamed or scared. We're here with you. Um, So I think on some level, begin the conversation, you know, in the labor and delivery room with Chelsea Griffin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And well, so much of this conversation is how do I establish a relationship with my kids where they feel safe to tell me about the things that they've seen or the things that they're doing. And so that uh, it's so that they can have a shame-free conversation with their own parents. Cassie, as a minister at a church, I imagine maybe you guys are running into this. You oversee next gen birth through Mm -hmm. high school. What kind of stuff are you seeing when it comes to issues of pornography with church families? Yeah. I mean, we see, we've had parents just show up in the middle of the week to our offices and have said, I, I need help. I found out last night that my kids have seen pornography or are viewing pornography or even addicted to pornography. And so it's like, I'm grateful for parents who take it seriously and who even have the courage to ask for help because I do think it's such a shameful issue. Like it, it's so cloaked in shame and it makes it makes parents feel embarrassed. Like they've done something mm-hmm. wrong. It makes kids feel embarrassed. And so the parents who do have the courage and who do believe that the light will shine on the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. I'd like to just commend those parents because it invites us in. It invites Jesus in to bring healing and to bring right thinking and understanding to this topic. But I, I think the biggest issue that we see is just the access that kids get to it so early without any guidance. And, um, and I think that's, it, it can, I think it's two reasons, right? Either parents don't know how to think about it and don't have a, either a right theology or a right practice around it. And they don't um, take it seriously in their own life, or they have so much shame around it that they just avoid it, or they don't think it's that big of a deal. And so they um, just kind of sweep it under a rug or they think, well, my kid won't be exposed to it. You know, we've got all these, all these things locked down on the screens and, and all of this. And so they either avoid it, or I think they just um, don't have the right tools to talk about it. And so Mm. resources are the number one way I think we can help equip them through Pure Hope. And then there's a couple books that we can talk about later. Yeah, for sure. I think of when I was a kid, I know there were curiosities in me that led me to looking things up in like encyclopedias and dictionaries about, um, you know, whether it's biology or whether it was other things like or sexuality, that if I had done the same thing today in a search engine Mm. as a kid, it would have led me down such a dark path. And it started with not necessarily a less than innocent curiosity, but certainly uh, I can I know what it's like to have a curiosity that leads to a, a, a temptation that leads to yeah and and to shame. Uh, Asia, for you, uh, what are some of the dangers and damage done uh, by exposure to pornography for kids that you guys see or you warn parents against? What are those things that you guys are seeing? Well, I think I mean to your point it it can just, it can start so innocent. Um, you know, our kids are digital natives, but that does not mean that they are not digitally naive. Yeah. 
Um, and so we, we, we literally have to teach things. And I mean, I've already started this with my kids. We have to teach things like how to Google, you know, I, I have to teach my daughter when I'm, you know, cooking a recipe and ads are popping up. Well, mommy's not interested in that ad. I'm interested in this recipe. Like we literally have to teach them don't click on that. Yeah. <laughs> and when you search, use, you know, good, accurate search terms. But I think the damage that can come even through, like you mentioned, Adam, often innocent or, you know, semi-innocent curiosity, natural curiosity that kids have is they're just, I don't even want to say exposed to things that they're not ready for. They're exposed to things that, that no eye should see, no ear should hear. Right, right. Um, and that's a problem because we're, again, told in scripture that the eye is never satisfied with seeing and the ear is never satisfied with, with hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even though for most people, that initial exposure has some cocktail of, yes, arousal and interest, but also shame and honestly terror, um, it, it can just keep happening from that point. And yeah. pornography that is out there today is not you know, soft core, um, sitting on the local newsstand, um, it can get very violent very quickly. Um, with very, like you said, very innocent or very normal, um, searches. And so I think just being exposed to things that are, um, as Chelsea mentioned at the beginning of this, just not dignifying really, you know, tearing apart the Imago day that can mess with you. Yeah, we've seen, uh, we've certainly seen that in the lives of people we know and how pornography was a gateway to violence. Pornography was a gateway to uh, taking pleasure in other people's suffering. But also we, we believe as Christians that uh, God intended human beings to have one long-term monogamous sexual relationship. And not only is pornography offensive to that, it's detrimental to your ability to maintain it. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of people who struggle to maintain one long-term monogamous relationship because of their exposure to pornography. And the memory for pornography is so long in a human being that even exposure at a young age to things that maybe an adult would call, you know, a a PG-13 or a rated R thing and not even call it pornography, a TV mature thing Mm -hmm. uh, for a kid is still pornography. I know that uh, maybe the definitions aren't as as helpful. We're not just talking about uh, potentially letting a kid uh, have unbridled access to the internet, but also access to anybody who's undressing or sensual or the kind of ads they see on billboards. These things can be really harmful to a kid. And like we've said before in this podcast, if it's something that you believe is harmful for your kid, then you should consider it harmful for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so if you as a parent are exposing yourself to the kind of salacious, sensual content and excusing it as non-pornographic uh, just because you're not having to go on the internet and watch it and it's maybe are done artfully or it's done in a movie you're enjoying, I think we need to, as a culture, and this is a soapbox issue for me, resensitize ourselves to some of the um, undressing that we see literally and figuratively. Well, I think, Adam, the definition of pornography actually is helpful for us there because the definition of pornography is if it is intended to stimulate erotic rather than Mm. emotional feeling or if it is intended to incite arousal, that is pornography. Mm. And I, I do think that is helpful for us as parents to recognize it is not just the deep, dark corners of the internet. It is that billboard we drive past. It is that 
you know, commercial we see the one time a year we're watching live television or, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is, or the movies we choose, like, you know, everything that you meant. I'm, I'm with you on your soapbox. It, it is those things. I mean, right. by definition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even I can think of as a kid when I would be at the store with my mom and he'd walk past like the underwear section and they've got all these models and underwear. And I know it, maybe it's not even intended to entice in that situation, but sure as a kid, piqued some curiosities for me and some mystery for me about those Mm -hmm. things. Chelsea, how can families who maybe have never even had like the sex talk yet, never had um, the, the uncomfortable step into talking about the birds and the bees, think about talking about pornography. How can we help our kids think about devices, movies, and things their friends might show them? And why would it be important to implore parents to do that? Um, well, I love what Asia said about telling the better story. And so if yeah. if we haven't had any conversations about sex, and I think it's important to start there with God's good design, um, with his hopes for us, that he, God gives us good gifts. Yeah. And we sometimes pervert those things and we twist those things and we think that we have a better idea of what to do with God's creation than God himself does. And we have to resubmit ourselves to his authority in order to have that life in the full that Jesus talks about. And so pornography is just so destructive to that. And so really explaining what what sex is about or explaining our bodies, those things are important, I think, to lay the groundwork before we can say, hey, here's this here's this evil, destructive thing that you're going to get addicted to. And yeah. they don't even know what the better hope is, what the good thing is that God made. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to our devices and our movies, um, I think one, we have to set an example to say that we would give up all of those things in our life, that I would rather not have a phone. If it is dragging me in yeah. to something addictive and destructive, that it's searing my soul, then I need to throw my freaking phone away get myself a little flip phone or a pay phone or whatever and figure it out. But it, if I have something, hands. yeah, I don't care to say I would rather not be on a group text with, with the right color text messages um, than have something in my pocket that tempts me and, and lures me in yeah. that our devices or watching the same movies. I mean, Adam and I, obviously we share a lot of same soapboxes that, Christians in the church, we hear them talking a lot about a popular show, a popular movie. And then when we look it up to see if it would be as good as everyone said it is, and we look up the parent rating and we're like, oh, well, this has a lot of graphic content. The same way we don't look through our neighbor's window and watch them have sex. We don't look through the window of our TV screen and watch somebody else have sex. We don't watch people get naked. Those are images we don't want to take in. So we have to set that example in our own life. Um, Like Aisha said, it's it's not like, oh, kids shouldn't see this. But, but other God-fearing men and women should take this in. Uh, no, why do we want to take any of that in? We don't need yeah. those things. Um, and so, but once we've established what God's good plan is for sex, then, then we need to be explaining to our kids that there's some dangerous things that can really hurt us and that the hurt isn't just going to go away, that it can carry on into our marriages and into our life um, for the long haul. And so we need to be careful about what we're taking in. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrim's Big Journey Complete Box Set. 
It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey, listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Yeah, I want to come back to a lot of what you just said here in a minute. But first, Asia, can you speak a little bit to the parent who's maybe personally struggling with pornography, is having trouble avoiding it, quitting it, uh, not being enticed by it? What do you say to the parent, the actual mom or dad who's going, well, the reason I have trouble talking about this is that I am I am still uh, participating. Yes. So glad you asked this because this is absolutely on some level, whether it's what you mentioned, you know, outright, I'm trapped, I'm stuck here or I just don't really know how to deal with, you know, the porn that I have seen or the things that I have been exposed to. This is what I have seen be the hang up more than any other thing. Real fast, Chelsea, will you hit us with that Howard Hendricks quote you love so much? Uh, you, cannot, DTS guy, mm-hmm. you cannot impart what you do not possess. Yes, that is what we're talking about here. And I think I think the the snag and the hangout for parents is, well, I cannot talk to my kids about this because I do not possess sexual integrity. Mm-hmm. And I think how I would break down that quote and break down that idea, which is really a biblical idea that we, we need to lead by example. We need to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, what we need to have first before we can have sexual integrity is we need to have faith in God, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the rest of that verse is, and then we will prove what is his good, perfect, and pleasing will. We need to seek out the Lord as parents and tell God, hey, before I parent my children in this area, I've got some work to do with you. I have some questions for you. And when I when I think about anyone who's struggling, but especially parents who are struggling with this, I think of the blind man who went to Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to see. And that is my story in this area is I came to God and I asked him, I said, I want to understand why sex is such a big deal. I want to understand 
what your design is and is it really good? I want to know that. And he showed me and I, I, my life has been immeasurably blessed by that. I spent years after that as a single woman, able to look my brothers in Christ in the eye, shake their hand, not objectify them and try to, you know, take them home as my party favor. Maybe you'll be my future husband, you know, I, and then in my marriage that has paid dividends because I'm, I'm just able to just enjoy my spouse because I have seen, I have seen the Lord has opened my eyes. I have seen that his design is good. And so I think for parents who are in that situation, instead of thinking first, oh, I need to walk in sexual integrity. Oh, I need to, you know, all those good things, remove access. Like those are all important things and they are part of the process but I think going to the Lord in just that guttural, going to the Father, remembering He's your Father, in just guttural, just honesty and saying, I need to understand you in this area. I need you to open up your word. I need you to fill me with your spirit as it pertains to what you have to say about this topic. And then once we have that, sexual integrity follows. Once we have that hope in our perfect bridegroom, that pursuit of purity, that is a natural overflow. And then the conversations with our children honestly become easy. Um, I mean, I really mean that they become easy because you're comfortable. You're comfortable with the material. You're confident in the material. You believe it for yourself and then you can impart it. Yeah, that's really good. Asia, what are some helpful resources for families that can help them have these conversations? Well, Chelsea, I can't tell if you're going to love or hate this. I think you'll love it. Uh, my number one resource truly, and I really mean this is the word of God. I really sincerely mean start there. Um, and I would say every time I have a bookmark in my Bible, I'm sure other people have something like this, you know, that you get from Bible study. It's, you know, what does this say about God? You know, asking yourself questions when you read, I would say every time you open your Bible, add the question to your list, what can this passage, wherever it is, what can this passage tell me about God's story of sex? And just start going to the Bible, asking that question. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my number one resource, sincerely. Um, and then I will tell you two easy ones. Um, I actually helped uh, pull these together. I pulled these together while I was at Pure Hope. There are two free resources. We can drop them in the show notes on the Pure Hope um, website. One is the pocket guide to talking about sex with your kids. Great. The other one is the pocket guide to talking about sex in your marriage. Hmm. Um, And so those are two great free, just kind of quick start guides that have other resource ideas in them. Um, And then I think after that, I mean, I would say, I mean, y'all talk about this all, all the time. There are so many, there really are so many great resources in this area. Um, Dan Allender is a great voice in this space. Yeah. I mean, the Heart of Man film is one I love. I mean, there are great resources in this area. And so I would say, find a friend, find a pastor, ask them what they've used and what has been helpful to them. Because praise God, there have been amazing resources coming out over the last, Mm -hmm. you know, five or so years. Yeah, that's great. I, in our family, I've used uh, the Good Picture, Bad Picture books, which yeah. have, there's a couple levels of them, but just to help our kids, especially as it comes to what they might be exposed to God on the internet. God made all of me. Yes, my, good one. Yeah. yes, that's great. There's a lot of 
A lot of great books for talking to your kids about biology, the difference between boys and girls at a certain age, and then increasing in maturity as your kids get older. Uh, like we said on this podcast before, I think Jen said it first on here, Jen Wilkin, we don't need to have a sex talk or a pornography mm-hmm. talk with our kids. This is how mm-hmm. we have a thousand talks with our kids that both help prevent and help address specifically these things. Asia, I love what you said about the Bible being the number one resource on this. Uh, Chelsea, would you help us for a second? What scriptures come to mind for you when you think about addressing this topic, if you were going to address it specifically with a family? What comes to mind for you? Well, honestly, I was going to say that the work of scripture as a whole Mm -hmm. is important to take in when it comes to being made in the image of God. I mean, when you're starting with creation, thinking about um, God putting Adam and Eve in the garden, the first family, being co-laborers in the kingdom of God, um, and how can they do that if they objectify one another? Um, And I think about our boys and uh, as they begin to like kind of awaken to attraction to the opposite sex, I'm, I'm eager to show them that that is God calling them um, to his cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply, to, to build and to lead and, um, and to advance the kingdom of God. Uh, but specifically, there, there's a lot of scriptures that come to mind for all of us. I think about in Proverbs 6, where it says, can a man carry fire next to his chest and not be burned? Mm. There's a lot of warnings in scripture about things that are an offense to a holy God. And I don't mean to throw those out to be so terrifying. And at the same time, we need to have a healthy reverence and yeah. awe mm-hmm. for the creator God who designed us a certain way. And every time we violate his design, we, sh- we should expect that that there will be a consequence of some sort. Um, and there's really good promises in the Bible too that uh, yeah. say, let the wife of your youth satisfy you. Um, it's a... Um, that your fountain will be blessed. Yeah. A lot of scriptures for hope that say, if you confess mm-hmm. your sin to God, he will yeah. be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we can be made clean before God. Um, Philippians 4 encourages us to think about things that are true and pure and worthy of praise, um, just to really get our minds right. Because uh, this is where all this is from. This is from our mind and our heart. Mm-hmm. This really isn't about a phone, a computer, Google, an ad, YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's really not about that. This is a matter of our mind and our hearts. And do we agree with God that he is a good designer, uh, that he wrote the Mm -hmm. best story? Do we agree with God that people were made in his image and they're full of value, worth, and dignity? Do we Mm -hmm. agree with God or do we disagree with God? That's great. Cassie, Mm -hmm. how do you set yourself up for success in a conversation like this? We've got some great resources we just listed. We just talked through some scriptures. What's the important maybe like tone you expect parents to take or preparation as they approach this conversation? Yeah, I mean, I would say start with prayer. And if you're married, get on the same page with your spouse about having the conversation. Maybe don't surprise your spouse by them coming home from work and you've have you've talked about it with your kids. And, yeah. um, and so plan and prepare for that. I think the right tone is not one of fear or alarm, mm-hmm. like not to like mm-hmm. to use fear and terror to like mo- help motivate your kids to stay away from this and to stay away from devices. Um, because it's not a question of like if they will see something. It is a question of when they will see it. And I mean, we've even had a situation. We were, I was with my daughter. We were on Instagram this a couple months ago. She was asking a year, I don't know how long ago, there was a sorting hat like thing where you could put on the sorting hat. It would tell you what house in Hogwarts you're in. And she was like, hey, can you find that? Mom, let's do that. Uh, let's find out what house we're in in Harry Potter. I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like fun. So we search on Instagram, like search for the sorting hat and 
the very first thing that pops up in like the little square is it's terrible. It wasn't mild. It wasn't even Harry Potter related. It was mm. awful. And so, mm. and again, that's just an example, again, not to scare anybody, but I'm so thankful I was with her <laughs> and uh, it was just an opportunity to talk about it. And if I had shut down or like thrown my phone away or, you know, then that just creates more shame around the topic and more fear around the topic. And so I think giving, um, walking in confidence and in grace with your kids and then giving them the courage to, um, to bring that light in. And so we've, we've told them, we've told our, I've told my oldest specifically because she, we have a family device where she can listen to audible and stuff. And I've just told her if there's anything you hear, anything that ever happens that you, Mm -hmm. that makes you nervous or makes you feel like you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel like it doesn't bring joy or, um, then you need to just come to us, pray at first, ask God for the courage to like bring light, ask him to shine light on that. And then come to us and and let us know so we can help you navigate that. Yeah. So otherwise we don't have a ton of opportunities for them to be exploring without us. But all that to say, I think uh, to avoid the terror and the fear conversation to like, you know, yeah, uh, and then uh, to first feel equipped and then to then equip, pass that equipping on to them so that they feel confident when they come across something um, because it, it's going to happen and they need to be equipped with language to tell their friends no, to be able to like reject an image or to say, I'm not supposed to see that. God doesn't want me to see that. My eyes weren't made to see that. Yeah. Whatever the phrases that you want to use uh, and then give them the tools uh, for telling an, a trusted adult for uh, to get help. That's awesome. You can imagine I did years of student ministry. I've had this talk a ton as a youth pastor with mm-hmm. kids, with teenagers and on behalf of parents and alongside parents. And oftentimes it's not the story you're telling Cassie where a parent's there with them having a mature conversation. Right. Often it's like a kid getting busted after months or even years of exposure. And so what do we, I think I want to turn the corner to what do we do when the kid hasn't come forward or hasn't witnessed it with their parents? Chelsea, help us think through what if a parent is addressing this because there's been a, a discovery, because we've maybe busted our kids in it? How do we approach that conversation with the appropriate weight and the appropriate grace? Man, I just, I pray in that moment that we could be an earthly picture of what our heavenly father is like, mm-hmm. uh, that he wants so much good for us. And, um, and so I think we have to try hard uh, to avoid like heaping shame on our sons or daughters, Mm -hmm. especially because I think the shame is already there. I've heard that from people that after they indulge in pornography, that they kind of instantly feel a sense of guilt and shame. And, and so we want to be able to speak to that, not add to it, not be creating that for them, but really to speak to it, to say, you know, you, you can be made clean. God can take away our shame, but I think we just need to, we need to be ready to share the gospel in that moment and um, to really turn our kids back to to life in the full rather than life in the darkness. What do you think, Adam? How have you approached this with youth in your ministry? Well, there definitely is a lot of shame and guilt, but usually that comes because from the secrecy as well. They want to keep it secret. But in the individual, oftentimes when they are participating or they have the the desire, the uh, what Asia called arousal to go and seek in that curiosity, there's not a lot of guilt and shame on the front end, at least not to the amount that we'd say is preventative. It seems compulsory. It seems like there's, it's very hard to stop and it seems enticing. And 
So I, I think of in Proverbs where it talks about foolishness as a seductress. It seems very seductive and hard to resist. And so there are a couple different tacks we take. One, we do talk a lot about grace, uh, but we also talk about strategies. And while strategies are important, and I want to talk more about resources here in a second, how to prevent and how to protect our kids from these things. We don't just put something off limits and say there, what we need to do is make it more inaccessible. What I want is a heart that doesn't desire it, right? So mm -hmm. that's why I talk so much about resensitizing our hearts to things by not mm -hmm. exposing ourselves to even one step down that path. So if, if a PG-13 movie is arousing, then let's not watch it with our kids. If it's all, you know, people always told me that Friday Night Lights was such a great show. And I've tried to watch it a couple times, but so much of Friday Night Lights is teenage romantic. And while there's no like nudity in it, there's no um, sex in it. So much of it is like uh, scantily clad teenagers uh, having sexual relationships with one another. So I, you know what? I don't watch Friday Night Lights because I don't want to take one step down that path. And there's a hundred things like that, uh, that as your kids get older, might to the world seem innocent, they want to prevent them from. But I love the attack that Asia was taking. Like if we build their hearts with such a confidence in who they are, and they understand not just, hey, here's the danger. Because honestly, if we warn them that, that sexual enticement is dangerous, then they'll also realize one day it's also pleasurable. And then they'll have this mm -hmm. battle between, well, what outweighs what? Would I rather face the danger and, and have the pleasure? And that's an easy decision for most teenagers to make. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the pleasure now and face the danger later. I want them to understand who God is and what he's called them to. Uh, Asia, sometimes for teenagers, and maybe in particular, we have in churches kind of a purity culture that makes mm -hmm. sex seem like a, a dirty thing, makes sex seem like a, just a dangerous thing. How do we talk about pornography with our kids without making sex something the Lord hasn't made it to be? Like, mm -hmm. how do we make it a, a positive thing that we warn versions of it uh, away from our kids? Yeah, I think kind of going back to a word you just used, I think one of those things is we take back what the world and the enemy has tried to kind of commandeer, which is that idea of pleasure. A verse that I clung to, and when I say clung to, I don't even mean like I'm like, you know, white knuckle clinging. I mean, just dearly held um, when I was a single woman and not in any type of sexual relationship, experiencing any type of, you know, physical sexual pleasure is just the idea that at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Um, and I walked that out. I experienced that. I felt that just in the intimacy of my friendships and my, you know, relationships and my family, um, just that there is pleasure to be found with the Lord. Yeah. Um, and then in marriage, Chelsea, you already hit on it, you know, be, take pleasure and delight in the wife of your youth. You know, like we are meant to experience immense pleasure in God's design for sex, whether we are walking that out as a single woman or a single man who's just bearing the image of God and experiencing the pleasures of life that God has for us. God wants us to enjoy and delight in him. Um, so I think teaching our kids that, that it's not just stay away from this evil thing, but oh, by the way, it's so fun. And oh, you know, sex is so bad. Don't do it. But actually it feels good. I mean, that's so confusing mm -hmm. for all of us. I mean, there's so many people who have so much just shame and honestly inability to enjoy what God has because of that, you know, purity culture feeling. So I think redeeming and taking back that idea of pleasure and recognizing that's God's yeah. domain um, is huge. And then I think the biggest thing, and I, I loved there was this really special event that we did um, a couple years ago. It always sticks out in my mind because we we gathered 
parents, we gathered grandparents, we gathered singles in the church, and we gathered all the way down to their middle school, their middle schoolers. And we just had these like mixed groups of mixed generations. And I was walking by listening to the small group discussion and I was just struck because it was, I was 15 years old when I started asking God that question, why is sex such a big deal? Mm. I really, I don't understand. I'm very confused by what I'm hearing in the church. That doesn't sound right. This, you know, shame-based, fear-based thing doesn't sound right. I'm also seeing the destruction from the world's message. I want to hear from you, God. So I walked by this 15-year-old girl and she goes, I get it. She was like, sex is worship. And I was like, yes, girl, sex is worship. It is. Everything is worship. And and that is what we get to do with our bodies is we get to proclaim Christ and his coming. We get to proclaim that there is a wedding feast and a consummation at the end of the ages when it's all said and done, where he will dwell in the midst of his people. And I'm not saying that when you're in your marriage bed tonight, you need to be thinking theologically, you know, as you are laying with your spouse. That is not what I'm saying. But that should undergird what we believe, what we act out, and what we share with our kids. And that that totally frees us from that sex is dirty, shameful, bad, mm-hmm. stay away yeah. into this. Sex is so, so good. Pursue it God's way. Mm. That's great. Chelsea, any thoughts about that? I know you've got some thoughts on purity culture in the church. You've been really helpful in premarital counseling with so many women for whom this is a big question, uh, certainly for men as well. What do you think about what Asia's saying about that? I love that. I loved all of that. Yeah, as we do premarital counseling with young couples, we find that, like Asia said, everyone has some amount of sexual brokenness. We've all experienced some amount of not seeing this exactly the way God does. And so for a lot of women that I walk with before they get married, uh, there's some fear around sex because it's always been held out in their minds as, is that is bad? Is that is dirty? Is that, that defiles you um, without really having like a context to say, well, here's, here's where it actually glorifies God here here's a reminder that it was God's idea um, that God gives us this pleasure. He gives us the opportunity to create a family through sex. Like, man, God, God is generous and good. Um, so then how do we reconcile that with all these, these terrifying warnings we've heard and trying to help women get ready to enjoy sex and to enjoy their marriage. And I'll tell you, man, there's a lot of work to be done. And so mm-hmm. uh, that that's another area kind of on a different end from that where a lot of people are saying, I, I can't talk to my kids about pornography because I'm addicted to pornography. A lot of women, and maybe men, but I only talk to women about this, but a lot of women have a lot of work to do in pulling their viewpoint on sex into submission uh, to the scriptures and to God's design. Yeah, mm-hmm. But it's work. It sure is. And there, there's a lot to be, there's so much more we could say here and maybe we could do more about you know, sex talks with our kids one day that aren't just about pornography, but certainly the, the topic and the, the issues you guys are touching on are big. I want to mention real quick before we ask just two more questions and conclude, I want to mention there are some great softwares out there to help parents navigate this. There's some ways to, mm-hmm. to lock down uh, what kids can watch in your home, whether it's parental guides on things or it's um, seeing the viewing history, browser history. It's also... Um, even on, on my phone, I, I use uh, Covenant Eyes, and that means that Chelsea gets a report on anything that I'm looking at on the internet, including screenshots. And yeah, sometimes like I, we flew this weekend to Montana and back, and that meant that on the flight, my phone would not connect to the 
the plain Wi-Fi and I couldn't watch movies. And you know what? Worth it. Like I'd rather have Covenant Eyes than not. And people love Canopy is another thing worth looking into. It's a program that no matter what the website is, it's about what is on the screen. And it's all about protecting your kids from seeing these things, no matter what they're using them. You know, a lot of schools right now are sending home Chromebooks and computers and iPads. And even if you don't have it in your home, your kids are getting it at school and they have friends with an iPhone when they're in third grade. And, you know, it's just a window to debauchery I want to protect my kids from and also give them the better story. Cassie, one of the things Asia just mentioned is seeing churches doing trainings around this stuff. As our resident church minister, talk to the church workers for a second. How do churches help navigate sensitive topics like this with families for kids whose families are maybe not even talking about this? Yeah. Um, well, I think churches should take the topic seriously and it should be a priority for, I mean, it starts with how they're speaking about it from the stage. It starts with how they're considering it as a staff even. Like, I mean, do you have staff that are struggling with this? I mean, it's kind of like the same way we're talking about a a mom and a dad, you know, and, and what they're equipped with and how they're thinking about it before they can, you know, lead their children in it. I think the church, um, and the church staff and the pastors and ministers and, all of that need to have, you know, good systems in place for thinking about and, and battling and fighting uh, this temptation and the sin. And then from that, I think then you start thinking about resources and workshops. And um, so at Northway, we have some resources. Like we have like bookshelves where we have recommended resources that parents can look at or even check out. Uh, we've done roundtables and forums where, I mean, if you can find an expert in this, whether it's a counselor or someone who works like Asia for Pure Hope or um, someone that you could bring in to talk about it. But even if you can't find an expert, you can still host and have like parents come and talk about this as a church, give them the tools, uh, show them the texts and scriptures and what Bible says about this. And then, um, and just give them the space to dialogue with even, even other parents and doing this in community and not feeling isolated um, I think helps a ton. Um, and then lastly, I think in your student ministries, don't shy away from it. And yeah. I, I mean, our student minister has just gone through a series where they've, they've talked about pornography. They've talked about trans- transgender and sexual identity and God's plan and design for sex. And yes, he, I mean, obviously he let parents know those were going to be the topics that Sunday. Um, and there are families that don't come because they're uncomfortable with that, but it has yielded so much fruit already in terms of kids confessing, sin being brought into the light, parents being equipped to deal with it, uh, them sharing the gospel with friends at school, even that are struggling with pornography or struggling with transgender or gender identity. And so I think the enemy wants us just to avoid it because it feels scary and mysterious. But man, if we'll lean in and trust God, trust God's word, trust the Holy Spirit. And if we will create spaces that are safe to talk about it, then I think we're doing so much of the work there. And then we can trust the Holy Spirit to complete it. Amen. Well, before we close out, Asia, thank you so much for being with us. If uh, if our listeners want to pray for you and the Pearson family, what are the things they can be praying for you about? I love that you all do this question. Thank you. I received that. Um, I think big prayer point for our family um, right now is we have had, since we got married, we've had several friends just one by one move away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think something we are looking for and praying for right now is just like-minded peers with kids our same age. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's important. I mean, you all talk about that a lot. That's something we're praying big for. Um, and then same thing with mentors. I have had wonderful, I've been spoiled with mentors my whole life. Um, but locally, 
we're just not having that right now. Um, so I think just support for our family in that way, um, and like-minded people to walk this parenting journey alongside, um, those would be great things to pray for our family. Yeah. I'd be honored to pray for you in that. Thank you, Asia. And thank you so much for bringing your expertise to this episode. Asia, I know it's going to bless a lot of people. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited. I feel like it wasn't too much of a downer, you guys. I feel like we did it. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts, visiting one of our sponsors, and sharing this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us, you can join the conversation on uh, the Family Discipleship Podcast. You can follow us on social media. We love you, listeners. We'll be back next week with more great stuff. We'll see you then.